It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on Monday, April 5th. LA Galaxy get through their first game in Arizona over the weekend. I'm not sure there's a whole bunch of stuff that we can take from that, but we're going to try to take some stuff from that. Uh, we're going to look at MLS's new concussion sub rule and how possibly it can get you to nine substitutions. That'll be fun to sort of try to kick around a little bit. Uh, we got that. And then, of course, incoming signing alert, Aruga, Aruga. Uh, Kevin Cabral, the 21-year-old Frenchman, looks like he is on his way to Los Angeles. We're going to talk a whole bunch about that to help me do all that. It's the panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, how's it going, buddy? When you said Aruga, I thought maybe they signed a guy named Aruga. Uh, or, or maybe Arugula? Look, you... look at this. Be a goldfish, Josh. Be, be a goldfish. Go- <laughs> go- I saw somebody has, Kevin, and I'm not sure if it is, if it's officially licensed or if somebody just made it, and I don't know that it really matters at this point. Um, but somebody has an AFC Richmond kit that is out there that actually has, and like, it's like, what player and name do you want? You know, what name and, and number do you want to put on there? And so I immediately said, um, it was funny, the hammer, uh, I said, I said, what number's Roy Kent? And so we had to look it up real quick and he's a number six, which duh, I mean, makes sense. We, we, we knew that at the, at, at, in his heart, right? Here's the interesting thing though. Do you know what, what number Danny Rojas is on Ted Lasso? I think he's probably 10. He's not. He's number... 14 who with the la galaxy wears number 14 oh is, he's chicharito he's is he is he chicharito does that make he's sense a, the mexican guy yeah i mean is that is that are they trying to tell us something on ted lasso were we not digging deep enough on this i mean this is totally hammer's thing uh he's not even going to be on this week uh, sophie's going to be on thursday so i'm stealing his bit right now so that way we can talk about it um, but, but uh, Kevin, I don't know that I was prepared to find out that Danny Rojas might actually be Chicharito in, in real life. I, I feel like it doesn't quite match up, but that's at least on the surface. And, you know, I connected those dots, but Chicharito scored what? Two more goals than Danny Rojas last year. Two more. That's right. 200% more. Or have you ever heard Chicharito say soccer is life? Football, football is life. Football is life. I bet you we could get him to say it. I don't even think that was hard. I think I think that should be our goal here for the rest of the preseason is to get Chicharito to say football is life so we can do a side-by-side comparison. That's my... By the that's way, my speaking of Chicharito, um, I talked to Greg Vanny today mm-hmm. and 
And uh, you were right. We, when we talked last week, they did charter over to Arizona, and they will presumably charter back. Today was media day. And the reason that's important, uh, or maybe not important, is, is you and I have gone to media days when uh, a media day in MLS is where everybody, all, you know, the, the top two or three players from every team, uh, some of the coaches, a lot of team officials, in the preseason, generally the third week in January, they, they all come to a hotel somewhere in Los Angeles. All the networks bring in people, and um, players go from room to room. They model the new kits. They come uh, meet with us. They meet with a, a, a whole roundtable of media people. But this is where they shoot a lot of those little videos that you see during a game. Like they'll say, oh, we spoke to Carlos Vela about the World Cup. And then there's Carlos Vela talking about the World Cup or Chicharito or whomever. They tape all these things ahead of time. All the networks come to these hotels. Well, they didn't They didn't have that uh, this year because of COVID. So uh, apparently they had media day at the team hotel today in Tucson. My understanding is a lot of the networks either went to Tucson because there's so many teams there. Right. So rather than go to all 20 cities or whatever it is, 26 cities, they, they went to Tucson. They got a number of teams at one place or either that or they did it uh, all on Zoom. But Chicharito had his media day today. Jonathan Dos Santos had a media day Greg Vanny also went to a special ballroom at the hotel and had his media day. And uh, I got a chance to talk to him. We'll, we'll, we'll get a lot of that interview later in, in the, uh, in the pod. But so the galaxy getting ready for the season opera, you know, that game is going to be on ESPN. So I assume many of the interviews, many of the media day interviews today were with ESPN people. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that's sort of how it goes. I, I always, I always, where, where was the, once again, where was my, my invite? I always feel like MLS forgets that, that I exist and that's okay. Cause I'm used to it. Most of the time I just make you tell them that I exist and then I just hang on to your coattails through all that stuff. But well, we, no. we, you know, for years, the, the, the print media or anyone that wasn't a network a, a rights holder is what they call them. If you're a rights holder, if you're somebody that pays for the broadcast rights, you get all kinds of special privileges and they, we were never invited to this no. stuff, but then they decided, you know what? We have, all these players, we have all these coaches, we have all these people here. Um, and you know, why not invite the print media? They can come in for a day or two and they can meet two players from every team and just get a bunch of stuff they use throughout, throughout the year. It's really, really helpful. Uh, and that was a new thing that MLS did. Of course, we didn't see it this year because of COVID. And there's a lot of fear. You and I have talked about this in, in the journalism business. There's a lot of fear that we may never go back to the way it was before. The teams in every sport are finding out it's much easier. They have much more control when they do all this stuff by, by Zoom. Uh, they don't have us. Uh, you know, if we ask a question that they think is a little bit rude, you hear that. Oh, we, we didn't quite hear you. You you must have muted muted yourself. We right. didn't get that question. Uh, things that they can't do when when it's face to face. So we'll see if it goes back to the old way. Uh, but right now, everything by Zoom. And so we didn't. I didn't get invited. You didn't get invited. If you're not a rights holder, you didn't get invited. Yeah, I, I was gonna. The the really interesting thing that I, I sort of found out uh, with, with all it, it's it's the relationship building that we normally get to. Normally, you can joke around with guys whenever you do it. I refuse to use any of my my questions that I have, you know, during the. Um, during our Zoom calls or anything else to, to like sort of build, do the relationship building questions, which are sort of the offhanded ones, the funny ones, that type of thing. It's like usually you get two questions, you move on. I will say, and I hope that nobody's listening, um, I have found my ability to attend post-training, um, you know, uh, Zoom calls a lot easier than actually having to go out and, and do training, being I have uh, my regular job during the day. It's hard for me to get out for training or do anything, and normally I would save that for the weekends if I was going to go out on a weekend. Like, if there was a game on a sat uh, on a Sunday, I could go out on Saturday and sort of get the day before um, stuff with those guys. But um, 
there's some positives certainly to it. I think the access has been, um, at least in my opinion, um, being where I'm at, a, a little more open in some of these things. But at the same time, you're missing that relationship. You're missing that um, ability to sort of look at these guys and be like, oh, yeah, well, you know me very well because we see each other at your locker, you know, every single time and we have a good rapport and we can make jokes and that type of thing. So I think it'll be um, extremely fascinating to find out what is going to happen whenever we sort of get post COVID. Although if you looked at the, uh, the Texas Rangers and their stadium today, they're already post COVID. So they're, they're yeah, a lot of, the, a lot of those fans won't be back for the next homestand. They're going to be in the hospital. It was, uh, it's interesting. We're right on the cusp there, right on the cusp. So, um, you know, but you know what you, you what you say about access in, in my experience in, in other sports as well, not just soccer is they may not know a player may not know who Josh Gessman is. Uh, they may not know who Kevin Baxter is. They may not care. Damian Calhoun, all these guys, they may not know our names, uh, but they, and they, they may know our outlets where we work for, but they know, Hey, here comes a fat guy. I like that guy. He's good. I'll talk to him. Right. And when you say next question comes from Josh Gessman of corner of the galaxy, you know, there's the deer in the headlights. They don't know who that is. Right. But if you if they see your face, they go, oh, yeah, I know that guy. I trust them. That's why I'm so al- you're right. That's why I'm always on Zoom with my camera on. And I'm always like smiling. So I'm trying I'm trying not to look, you know, intimidating as you know, as I am. I, I always ask the hardest questions. That's really, really my thing. No, um, is, a, again, I think all this is really interesting. I mean, Listen, we would have. There was no post media. There's no Wi-Fi at the stadiums in Tucson, which I think is is humorous, but um, it doesn't surprise me because they're not necessarily supposed to be these giant professional soccer stadiums. They're you know very lower level soccer area at, over at FC Tucson and in that Tucson area. Um, there's a whole bunch of fields. They have a nice stadium there, um, you know, but it's still very small. So there's not all these media facilities you would expect. But there was no post game. Uh, interview with Greg Vanny or getting to talk to any players after the LA Galaxy played to a one nothing loss to to Sporting Kansas City on Saturday. So, um, you know, it, it's interesting. I'm so used to being able to talk to them even whenever they're away, right? Because most of the time we wouldn't get to talk to anybody if they're away, Kevin, right? Because if you don't, unless you go to the game, you don't get to sit there and, and talk to Greg Vanny after, you know, they play Miami in Miami. But whenever they play Miami in Miami, you and I were going to get a chance because we're able to get on a Zoom call and talk to them and get quotes and get answers. And it's it, in a lot of ways, it has connected us a little bit more to the team, even whenever they're traveling. Um, I don't know if that part can be preserved. Um, sort of like whenever you see the auctions, Kevin, where there's people who are bidding in in live in person and they're sitting there raising their little paddles. Um, and then there's the people who they have the online bidders and who are over there and there's people at computers handling the online bidders and that type of thing. So I, I wonder sometimes, you know, if there's a if there's a good combo there, because I want to be there in person, but some, I'm not going to be able to go to every away game. Everybody knows that. Well, I mean, you make a really good point. In the past, the way that we would have done at the LA Times is if the Galaxy are home, we go to that game physically, go to that game, we have access, we do interviews, we watch the game. Um, When the team is on the road, there's no way to talk to players. It would be a hassle for the PR staff to try to get me on the phone with every player or or Damien from the Daily News, whoever it would be. So we just use the Associated Press account of those games. And generally, uh, with MLS, sometimes those are three or four or five graphs on deadline. It's very short. Well, now we watch the game on TV. We're going to have the Zoom access. So we're going to staff, with a staff writer, I think we're going to cover all 34 games home and away because we have the ability to do that now. 
more co- I, again it's it's this fine line of saying you have more coverage i think if you want to combine the best of both worlds that there is the ability to get more coverage and more access that perhaps we weren't prepared to do uh pre-covid so anyway very interesting um all sort of fun stuff to talk about let's get to the la galaxy and, and looking at this scrimmage a little bit i'm not gonna say kevin that we learned anything from any of this stuff that we have seen recently in fact as somebody who is trying to always break down what we see and use that to something that we're going to see in the in the, in the actual season, it's almost impossible for me right now to sit there and say, Kevin, we absolutely have seen something from any of these guys because I don't think we have seen really what the LA Galaxy are going to look like. I think we've seen a limited number of individual performances that are actually going to carry over to a starting lineup whenever that happens. And so I feel like there's some frustration, certainly from me covering the games and watching the games. You know, I watched Saturday. I was here. I was I sat down in front of the computer. I got on LAGalaxy.com. I watched the game. And they're just there's not a lot for me to take away from that. I, of course, I have things I can take away from it. But I'm trying to say, what what are we seeing right now that has the LA Galaxy doing anything but finishing last in the Western Conference? Because if they had to start the guys who are out there in these games right now, and I'm of the opinion that Vanny has not gotten to start very many of his starters. So, but they're going to have to put 11 guys on the field against Miami whenever that happens, Kevin. You know, sort of what have we learned from that so far? And and my answer is that there's some guys who can po- possibly be subs that are possibly going to get some minutes. Um, but other than that, you know, really trying to take some solid things away. What's like a solid thing we can take away so far is that Jonathan Bond is the number one goalkeeper. I don't think there's an argument there now. I don't think anybody can make a reasonable argument against that. It's Jonathan Bond. Um, so, I mean, that's one thing we've learned. But give me, is there another solid thing that we've learned from any of these preseason games? No. And and Greg Vanny talked about that when we spoke today. He said he was he was not real happy with the finishing in front of the net. He said, said they thought he, they did really poorly. The, the execution offensively at the front, he is very happy with Jonathan Bond. He called him a great player, and he thinks he's going to do some really exciting things this year. But, you know, again, if you want to put the lineup back up there, if you look at the lineup, um, so you have Jonathan Bond. He's going to be a starter. I think Steris and Araujo, they'll be starters. Yep. Biafania, starter. But, you know, a, a starter. And then uh, Chicharito. Yes. So you're, you're, you're missing Sebastian Legette. I, I know these guys are an international dude. I know where they are. But I'm just saying, when you look at the lineup there, you're missing Sebastian Legette. You're missing Jonah. Um, you're missing uh, – we got to figure that that Grantier or uh, Victor Vasquez is going to be in there. Um, you know, there's, uh, we don't know what's going on with Christian Pavon yet. This is very much a, a work in progress. And, and again, uh, we're going to reference this Fanny interview a lot today. I spoke to him at some length about a number of different things, and he was open about that. He said, you know, we've got to get these guys into camp, first of all. We've got to get them fit. Then we've got to get them accustomed to our style of play. He thinks that's going to happen much quicker with Victor, Victor Vasquez than with the others because he's used to that style of play. But here's a guy that's played 14 minutes in the last year. He's got to get fit. Um, I'm not sure, and we've talked about this before, I'm not sure we're going to see Greg Vanny's top 11 until maybe, I don't know, mid-May, or at least early May, because these guys aren't even in the country yet. Yeah, well, I mean, we got there There are more guys in the country, so I think we're, we're close. Um, you know, Victor Vasquez is, and, and we're going to talk about um, them. So Victor Vasquez is with the team now. Uh, he was shown training and 
It seems that he's already gone through quarantine. He was shown in a pool today with Jonathan Dos Santos, with Sebastian Legette, with all of the with the entire rest of the team. It looked like they were in a pool doing some sort of workout and regen, I would imagine, in the pool. It was a rooftop pool, by the way, and they what? had a DJ, too. Uh, there Was that... Was that Victor? Va- I thought that was uh, Pete Vianus. Pete Vi- he looks. They. Why, Kevin and I were talking before we recorded. I said, "Why does Pete Vianus look like so many uh, soccer players?" Because that that's not the first time we've ever said that looks like Pete Vianus to a guy who is not Pete Vianus. Well, let me ask you: Have you ever seen Victor Vasquez and Pete Vianus in the same room? I have not. I have not. Absolutely not. Um. So, I mean, you are getting some guys. Basically, I think Wednesday you you're probably going to see Victor Vasquez. I think that might be one of the guys who is who who sort of shows himself as a uh, as a a a player who will actually get some minutes on Wednesday. I think Saturday is going to be the best chance because we've heard that Grant Sir might be in the country now as well, um, and so he's quarantining, doing that thing that he needs to do until he's ready uh, to join the team in Arizona as well. So um, it, it's funny we look at the starting lineup again, and I could say there are five starters on here that I would consider starters. But whenever if we're considering the Miami game and how quickly that's coming here, Kevin, I have to start putting in more people than just that. So I'm going to tell you that Bond is a starter. I'm going to tell you that Greg Vanny keeps starting Jalen Neal next to Dan Starez. That's clearly a placeholder at some point, but he's not starting Nick Depew in there in this quote unquote starting lineup. This is the lineup that had all the starters in it, Kevin. So this is and Williams is not back yet either. Yeah. And, and Derek Williams isn't, although I did see Derek Williams in the pool as well. So Derek, I we've heard that he should be back to training and that eventually he will be. So Williams, uh, people Gonzalez is, is, I haven't seen, I don't know if he went to Arizona. I think he did. Somebody said they did see him uh, on the plane, but we don't know really the extent of his quote unquote bone bruise. Um, that he has and whether or not that's more serious than than uh, maybe we first thought. So you have that. But if I go back to the starting lineup, let's let's talk about guys who might start in Miami. Jalen Neal might start in Miami because Greg Vanny keeps putting him in the starting position whenever it goes. Dan Starris is going to start. Um, Julian Araujo is going to start out on the right hand side. Uh, Jorge Villafania is going to start at the left side. So, I mean, you know, as, as Vanny has been rolling this out, Neal has been the starter. Neal might start against Miami. So you need to look at that. The interesting one is is Zubak and, and whether, whether or not Ethan Zubak kind of goes into this. Um, he's been playing the right wing because he's needed to play the right wing, Kevin, because they haven't had a whole bunch of guys that can play there right now. But with Grand Sir in um, and then also uh, with with Kevin Cabral, looks like they're going to close that signing as well. We'll talk about that more. Um, you know, his time there is short, but it's probably not too short that maybe he doesn't play there against Miami and people just like fell over holding their chest with uh, Ethan Zubak. But Zubak might be there. Kleshton is a starter right now because of the position that the LA Galaxy are in. Maybe Victor Vasquez gets up to speed in time to get some minutes, but does he start Miami? It's probably uh, Kleshton. Uh, you have Carlos Harvey. You have Aguirre, who is an LA Galaxy 2 trialist, Kevin, who has looked to be one of the better LA Galaxy players in the starting lineup. Right. And so I look at that and say, okay, you know, what are they going to do? Because that's a spot that they keep putting them in. That's a Victor Vasquez spot. That's a Sebastian Legette spot. So you'd imagine that Sebastian Legette comes in and plays for Aguirre. But Aguirre has looked so good in the MLS side that I think it's almost impossible that Galaxy 2 doesn't sign him. So um, that's just an interesting sort of sidebar there. Dunbar is holding a spot right now. But is he holding a spot long enough for Grand Sur or for Cabral to come in to start in Miami? That's unknown. And then Chicharito is a starter. There are a lot more starters on this list, Kevin, than you would imagine that there are whenever you first look at it and say, no, these guys aren't starters. Vanny well, is telling you something there. Well, and there's a bigger thing there, too, is that you, you, we're trying to find 11. 
we we know bond so we're trying to find 10 um it is going to be a bear of a day in miami it's going to be humid it's going to be hot uh, it's going to be sticky these are guys that as we're saying uh, can enough players get 45 minutes fit much less 90 minutes fit you're going to need to have uh, you know, 16, 15 guys that can play. I think that the bench gets empty. I think, you know, a Vandy goes with everybody because guys aren't going to be fit. It's going to be a humid, hot day. Uh, Grant Sierra, I, I don't know. You know, he hasn't played much in the last right. couple of years. Um, even if he gets into training now, I don't know if he gets fit to play deep into a game in that humidity. The guy that, uh, you know, Kevin Cabral, he had a, a lifetime high with 28 starts this year. He's a guy that could play. He may, you know, who knows if he'll even be out of quarantine. Right. He he should be here soon, but will he be out of quarantine? Will he be able to play? I mean, it it is a tough situation, and we're talking about just getting guys fit, and then you've got to learn Greg Vanny's style of play, which is not easy. It's not super complicated like Greg Berhalter, but it's not easy. You and I were talking earlier this afternoon. Um, your idea, you think they're going to go with a four two uh, two three one is the way that you draw it up. That's how they've been lining up in most of these. I mean. You have you haven't seen a lot. I, I really think Sebastian Legette is going to be more on the top line with Chicharito. So there's going to be the chance. But if you look at what the Galaxy have tried to do, it's tried to get runners from the midfield, whether it's Sasha Kleshin, whether it's Sebastian Legette, any of those guys in the midfield or even from the wing, they've tried to get them into the box with Chicharito to give them two guys up top a lot. So um in my mind, that's how they've been doing. And if you go to this game, listen, the Galaxy lost one to nothing. Uh Busio from Sporting Kansas City hit a great shot. Um, there was no chance for Bond to get there. And he only had the, the tiniest little spot to sort of uh, take that shot. I, I have no issues with that. It was a good shot. And, and it is what it, you would like the defense to step and take away that little bit of space he did have. Work in progress. Fine. Move on from that. Um, Sporting Kansas City controlled more of the game, I think, than Greg Vanny would, would, would love. But I also know, and we've certainly heard, and you, you've said it as well, and he said it in his post game because we got some video of it, um, that he wasn't happy with the finishing. Chicharito hit one off the bar. Uh, Sasha Kleshin missed, missed a wide open shot. Um, there were two or three really good chances for the LA Galaxy to score goals. And if they hit on two or two of those three, they win the game two to one. So I like that progress. Uh, for me, Chicharito made good runs but lacked the execution. Kleshin had a you know chance at a couple of goals. Jalen Neal continues to start next to Steris. That was one of my big takeaways is that Jalen Neal looks like he's going to get some minutes early in the season, and then that probably fades whenever Derek Williams comes back. We imagine Derek Williams is the starter next to Steris. But Neal is showing that maybe he's head and shoulders above uh, Nick Depew, um, who who was really sort of listed as probably the number two behind uh, Steris when you get, look at it. Um, for me, Julian Araujo was... Uh, look like a guy who just came back from international duty and didn't quite have his legs underneath him. Um, so that doesn't surprise anybody. Uh, Cameron Dunbar was more quiet in this game. I mean, what do you want to take away from a game that then at halftime, they basically go and switch most of the players. I think Neil went 90 minutes. Uh, he might have been one of the few LA Galaxy players who went 90 minutes. They even took Bond off at half and just and uh, and uh, Jonathan Klinsman came in. So again, I mean, I don't know what everybody wants from this um, but I'll tell you what you got, and what you got was that the LA Galaxy have not rolled out a starter-heavy lineup this entire time. Now, does that change on Wednesday? I think it changes maybe a little bit, but we all know that the ultimate sort of test here is going to be on Saturday, 
and sort of getting into that game rhythm is that Saturday game. So on Wednesday, do we see, you know, another sort of half lineup um, of guys who are just going to get 45 minutes and then go out and play 90 minutes on Saturday? Because that Saturday game is the one that really should show us, you know, what's going to happen with this Galaxy team. Well, you know, Greg Vanny had another interesting thing today. He talked about, and as I'm looking at this footage, I'm starting to get what he meant a little bit. He said, you know, that, that, you know, what's going on now, it's fine. It's a good way to evaluate. But he said when they start playing games in front of fans, he's talking about opening day in Miami and then back at, at Dignity Health Sports Park, even with limited fans, he said there's going to be extra pressure on these guys. So, you know, they're going to be playing for a crowd now, which I think he was referencing last year when, you know, the teams didn't play in front of crowds, but also these these exhibition games where there's no fans there, that that it feels a little bit like a scrimmage or a practice session. And, and he, he thinks that there's going to be a big transition to make when the games start actually being played in big stadiums with fans there. Um, and you wonder too, what does Greg Vanny do as a coach? He has a set style of play that he's been successful with. It's a little bit challenging. As we mentioned, he's talked about trying to get guys up to speed, get the chemistry, get them, uh, uh, familiar with what he wants to accomplish. Do you dumb that down a little bit saying, look, we just don't have enough time there are too many games coming too fast for us to really, you know, uh, hone in on this style of play. Do we relax and back off a little bit or, or does he stay firm and say, no, this is our style of play. And if you guys don't figure it out until June, so be it. I mean, yeah. they can't give away that many games at the start of the season. No, but at the same time, you know, you can you can keep the idea simple. And he talked about that, you know, after the the second New England game, which was, um, you know, having to so he, maybe he gave guys too much to think about. Maybe he uh, maybe he tried to do too much too soon. So Greg Vanny is clearly adjusting what he's giving these guys. But there's basic principles to his style of play. He knows that. And so he's going to make sure and drill those basic principles. He's going to say, this is how we move. This is how it goes. You know, he did this with Toronto and everybody watched him do it with Toronto, which is, you know, the guys in, in year one of this understood his, his system of play. It just, they couldn't execute it as, as good as they want as they went on and sort of kept filling in pieces and kept getting better. And as you know, year four comes around year two, it got better year three. It gets better year four. As you have that consistent style of play, as you plug pieces in, as guys really stop thinking about this and start reacting with their instincts, that's when you get good at this. And so, you know, Greg is already telling us that he's managing sort of the, the mental workload that is happening with these guys. And you can, you can melt professional players down, Kevin, by giving people too much to, to think about. It happens in the real world, too. So I, I don't know why anybody would be surprised about this. It's just you have to be careful what you do when you do it um, and whether or not you're, you're taking too big of a, a bite to swallow. You need to be able to, to digest each and every piece of what Greg Vanny is trying to do. And his whole thing this preseason has been it doesn't matter who's in that position. This is the way they need to play. This is the way we need to play in our system. So it doesn't matter that, you know, some of these guys aren't here. Whenever they are here, you need to expect them to play this way because this is the system and this is how we move within that system. Well, you know, to that point, I asked him when he came in, I said, you know, Guillermo and Dennis, when they came in together, if you remember Dennis and Guillermo both came in together, the team was terrible. And, you know, the question was how long, what's the process here? And they both, Dennis and Guillermo, both told us that there was a three-year timeline that, you know, they wanted to compete for the playoffs from year one, but they didn't think that they would be a, an MLS Cup contender until year three. And I asked uh, 
I asked Greg about that and, and he laughed and said, look, this is not, I don't think the galaxy is an organization where we need to tear it down to the studs and start over again. He said, there are a lot of good pieces here. So it's not starting over. And he laughed at the idea of a timeline and said, isn't it always three years? Doesn't everybody always say three years? And that's true. I thought about that. Every sport you always hear three year timeline. He said, I don't believe in timelines. And then he gave that exact uh, example that you did. And I'm reading it here. He said, when he came into Toronto, he said the first full season, they made the playoffs, but they dropped out early because they just weren't prepared for that. He said the second season, we made it all the way to the final, and that was that game against Seattle. The opposition didn't even get a shot on goal, and Toronto lost in penalty kicks. Right. The third year is when they won it all. And so you know, he's saying, yeah, look, in this case, it was a three-year plan, but that's just because that's how it came together. There wasn't an idea of we're going to go from here to here and we're going to make it. You develop and you get better every year. And he did talk about, as you said, the style of play. We're not going to cheat on that. Guys have just got to, you know, suck it up and learn it. And and that's not going to change. They're going to change because they're going to learn that style of play. Yeah, it's a, it, it makes sense. You see it. I want to say that the LA Galaxy had some good spells of working the ball. Um, I didn't love the, the the sort of dumping the ball over the top a whole bunch, but I can understand that. You know, Zubak at the wing is just so interesting um, from a sense that I don't think uh, Ethan Zubak is necessarily a gifted player at that position. Um, I think really he's probably more of a target forward and that probably suits him better and a whole bunch of things. He hasn't looked horrible at that wing. Um, and I think people expected him to be horrible but it's also a new position, so you see times where he he doesn't get it right, where he's not in the right position, and where things you know sort of don't don't continue for him, and, and things don't play out. But um, the LA Galaxy haven't looked bad at, at no point. I mean, Sporting Kansas City played a very starter heavy rotation in there, and the LA Galaxy lost one to nothing when really they caught it probably could have scored two or three goals. Um, and, and Sporting Kansas City probably could have scored a couple goals as well. So, I mean, they were fairly evenly matched. Um, I don't think fans, and I see people reacting, you know, sort of poorly, which is, you know, uh, I can't take any more Galaxy losses like this. This is just ridiculous, you know, whole deal. They they played okay. This is a preseason game. It's still a preseason game. It's not a not a regular season game. And you could tell the intensity is not there as it's a regular season game. That doesn't happen until guess what? The regular season. That's when that actually happens um, in these. But you've seen good sort of progress, baby steps. I just from this last game, it feels like there's no progress made from the previous game. Right? We're still seeing subs upon subs and guys coming in and just, you know, the, the individual individual assessments are fine, but what about the team? And you can't analyze the team, Kevin, without seeing the team. You're not seeing the team right now. Well, and it's a work in progress. I think that's going to be the key all year long. It's going to be a work in progress. A lot of these second string guys, when they, we decide who the first string and second string is, they're going to get a lot of minutes during the summer, June, July. It's going to be heavy with international duty for a lot of guys. Um, but when you break down the team, let's just, you know, it, going from the front back, Chicharito is going to have a better year. Why? Because he can't have a worse year. So I expect a little bit of improvement there. Is it going to be enough to make a difference? I don't know. But it can't be any worse. The midfield with the wingers and, and, and central midfielder would be Sebastian Legette. I think he, Sebastian's going to have a great year. I think the national teams really helped him. I, I don't know. I, if Pavone doesn't come back, I, I don't know that someone is going to have that level of production. That doesn't mean we, we won't have uh, – there won't be productive wings on both sides. I just don't know that it's going to be Sebastian uh, or uh, Christian Pavone level. I think the midfield is still question mark. It depend, I, I think the midfield may wind up with some of the same pieces. I just think Greg Vanny's going to use them in a better way. I like the idea of you talking about Sebastian – legit pushing into the box. I think that creates room behind him 
for uh, Jonathan Dos Santos, who Greg said is going to be, Vanny said is going to be a box-to-box midfielder. That's what you would want to do if if Sebastian pushes forward, Jonathan comes up behind him. The back line, I don't know if it, I, I think it has more depth. We'll have to see how how many minutes Fiafania can play. Uh, Acosta behind him is, looks healthy. That's going to uh, be helpful. So I think the back line, um, you know, the depth is going to make a difference. I don't know if the the starters necessarily going to be any better or any worse. But the big, I think the the one thing we can agree about, about this soon into the preseason is. Big upgrade at goalkeeper. It, it seems to be a huge difference there. Yeah, it, it seems to be. Uh, I was talking to to somebody uh, within the organization talking about Jonathan Bond, um, and this person goes goes uh, big upgrade, big upgrade. And I was and I was like, yeah. Um, I, I would say this person also thought that that uh, Viafania is a solid player at left back as well. Uh, listen, if Viafania is as good as uh, Emiliano and Sua, then the LA Galaxy did a good job in terms of of, of how they did it. There's a chance, I think, that Viafania could be better than Sua, at least more impactful on the offensive side. Um, but defensive side, I, I think Viafania has it. Um, so I, I think that that could be end up being an upgrade as well. So, I mean, we talk about those sort of being upgrades. Uh, Chicharito is still Chicharito. Now, this se- season, and I heard you say, this season should be an upgrade, right? Chicharito 2.0. It can't be, it can't be any worse. It, it can't. Just, it simply it can't be worse. <laughs> it, can't, it absolutely can. It can. I just think it would be very difficult. I agree with you. There, there's, there's room. But I mean, if he doubles production, that's only four goals, Kevin, and that's not really good enough for what they're paying him. Um, but anything between 10 and 20 goals with some assists in there as well, that starts to be a productive spot for the LA Galaxy, and they need somebody to score because Christian Pavone, the leading goal scorer, isn't going to be here for the Miami game, certainly, and I don't know that he's ever going to be back with the LA Galaxy. So um, all of those things are interesting. Uh, we talk so much about a defensive midfielder that perhaps Greg Vanny wanted to get, and he, he had sort of hinted at, at least at one point that perhaps that was something that they were looking at, but when you look at it right now, Jonathan Dos Santos is the defensive midfielder because they're going to either put Victor Vasquez or Sasha Kleschen into the box-to-box role, and Sebastian Legette is going to be more that cam position, right? So for right now, at least, you're not going to have Victor Vasquez or uh, Sasha Kleschen running around being the defensive midfielder on that. It's going to be Jonathan Dos Santos. He's the one who's going to be able to have the most energy on that, and he'll still be able to, and I think Greg is going to try to get him forward in certain positions. Um, but you're going to see that uh, Sebastian Legette drives the offensive side of things from that center position, assuming the LA Galaxy get their wingers in and can place them. Um, otherwise, perhaps in Miami, Sebastian Legette is the starter on the wing somewhere, as we have talked, because they do have some possibilities for some players there in the center that they can sort of switch around and, and move around and, and those things. So, you know, one more thing about Chicharito. Um, I don't think he's going to get the long leash he had last year. And, and I think the season, it, it, that was a product of the season. Remember he played two games. He got hurt at, or three games and then he got hurt at MLS's back. Then it took him a while to get back by then it's late September. Uh, he's a substitute. You really can't, you know, I think that it was fair to say you really can't judge how he's doing. He's only playing a few minutes a game. Then when he, he, he was a starter again, it was, we're already in the mid October. I think Guillermo wanted to give him a run of games to see how he would do. And then finally he pulled the plug and Chicharito got benched. And that was very close to the end of the season. Um, it just there wasn't enough games to let that sort of stuff out. I think if Chicharito is playing, you know, every game and starting every game, and we're four or five games into the season, six games in, and he's not productive, 
I, I think Greg Vanny makes a switch. I don't think he he decides, you know, we're going to let this guy have 15 or 16 games to figure this out. Right. If, if he looks at it and says, this looks a lot like the guy that never got it on track last year, I don't know who he puts in there. I don't know how he, you know, how he moves things around. I just don't think that Chicharito is going to get the whole season to figure it out this year. Uh, I mean, what are you going to do, though? You, you going to bench him? I mean, does that make any sense? Chicha, it's, he's the highest paid player in Major League Soccer. Are you, are you going to say, hey, dude, sorry, you haven't been playing that well, and we have almost nobody to back you up right now because we haven't well, signed Augie Williams, and we're just going to start Ethan Zubak there? I mean, the, you kind of just got to let that dude spin up. The rotor's got to spin, Kevin. Even if he doesn't get off the ground, he's got to at least attempt to, to fly well, every once in a while. Uh, they put Jesse's artist at right back. Maybe Araujo goes forward, and <laughs> Chicharito plays right back for a while. What do you think? Flips it on his head. I don't hate the idea, by the way. I don't hate the idea at all. All right. Um, that's, but I mean, that's sort of what we see. We're going to talk about Kevin Cabral, that rumor here in a second. I wanted to get to MLS making an announcement, though, first. Um, MLS came out with their concussion sub rule. And this is part of, um, I think, IFAB, which is the International Football Association, or like Association Board or something like that, that comes up with the rules. Um, they sort of allowed for this experiment to take place and major league soccer i think usl and nwsl um certainly are all going to be part of this this season and we'll see if other leagues around the world also sign on to it we've heard kevin the, the big problem here is let's state the problem the problem is that guys have been getting concussions they've been hit in the head um they're on the field a team doctor comes out and the team doctor looks at him and goes are you okay? And the player's like, yeah, even though the player can't stand up straight because he just was concussed because his head hit the ground or he hit heads with somebody else. Um, and you know, the team is all out of subs and it's, you know, with, with only 10 minutes to go and they're trying to, to play. So they don't want the player to come off the field, even if he's concussed and possibly put him in a life, uh, uh, in endangering his life. So that's the problem is we've seen that too many times. And how many times do we see it in any league around the world where you see a guy who smashes his head on something, somebody, some other thing, the ground, the post, however it goes. And he's over on the sideline for a minute. And then he's like, yeah, I'm going to come back in. And he starts walking in there and everybody's like, that dude should not be on the field. Um, teams have been reluctant to pull them off. And certainly in recent times, that's been a little more higher profile. So there has been a little bit more of, of understanding, but there's still a lot of misses in this. So MLS comes out with the, uh, and you really us soccer comes out with the concussion sub rule. And, and you like this rule. I do. I, I mean, yeah. listen, there are, and we're going to talk about, it, there are ways that it's going to go sideways. Um, but I think anytime you're trying to protect a player from a head injury that could endanger their life or, you know, and especially endanger their long-term health. Um, it, it's a good thing. So I have no problem with that. Here's what's going to happen in 2021. Uh, U.S. soccer and, and MLS has announced basically that the normal sub rule will be five subs again. I think, and, and this is just me, you know, guessing, Kevin, I don't think we're ever going back to three subs in, in world football. I think it's going to be five subs from here on out. I think it's going to be adopted as a rule and everybody's just going to go with it because we kind of like seeing more players and we like the pace of play that that allows whenever you can change five guys. And it doesn't mean that you have to have five guys, um, you know, to, to, you don't have to use all five of your subs and you only get three chances to do it, but they could don't count like at, at the midfield, um, at halftime is one of the chances. So there's really four opportunities to, to make five subs. So you can do that. Um, so I think five subs, so the five subs is going to be normal. Then there's going to be what they call concussion subs and each team will be allowed to get two concussion subs. And basically what happens is if somebody is 
uh, suspected Kevin of, of possibly getting a, a head injury, they're able to do an on the field or an off the field assessment, which is super interesting because we just sort of learned about this as well. But um, there are doctors who are able to watch what is happening on video and provide the the doctor on the sideline with video angles and 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 just sort of uh, feed and maybe perhaps even advice that this pop player possibly could have a concussion. And so they're trying to remove this from being a, a team decision. They're trying to make this and a referee decision. The officials will not make this decision either. Yeah. They're not allowed to make the decision. They'll stop the play. If there's a suspected head injury as they're, they're trained to do as but, they do now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but it's not, it's not up to them. They have no say in whether or not it happens or not. It's supposed to be up to the medical advice. And let's say somebody is suspected of having a, a concussion. They're going to pull them off the field. Then the team who is, um, who has had that player, if they've already used all five of their subs, then they get a concussion sub. All right. So they're, they're able to go ahead and, and use a concussion sub and, and, and to pull that in um, the concussion sub, then you get two of them. All right. And then what this, what happens, Kevin is on the other side of the, uh, of the bench there on the other side of the, the half line, the other team is allowed an additional sub. If they've used all five of their subs, then they're able to use a sixth. If the other team has used a concussion sub, all right? And each team is allowed two concussion subs. So that means that the other team could use possibly as many as seven subs in a game, okay? So that's that's sort of where we sit on this. I, I hope that makes sense. If you use a concussion sub, the other team, if they've already used their fives, gets an additional sub, right? So they get well, up to seven. But do the math. So we're at 20 players now because of the five yeah. substitutes. I think rules. we're at 20, 20 or 22. I can't, I can't remember what it was. It, if it was 18, if you got seven subs, one of those subs is a goalkeeper at this point. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, you're running out of guys on the bench if you if you make seven. Do you do you want to hear the really wacky part of this? Do we want let's go extreme. The 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 you said whenever I told you this is never going to happen. I feel I feel like it's absolutely gonna happen at least once. Well, I can't remember a game whether it's been, you know, two two people on, on the same team with a concussion. Right. And so Yes, it's possible. Right. It, it's it, I don't wouldn't say it's likely, but it wouldn't be out of the you know out of the blue that if if it did happen, especially now that I mean, who knows? I bet you there are players that played with concussions that just they couldn't come out. They didn't want to come out. They didn't want to hurt their team. Absolutely, it's just not the coaching staff. Sometimes it's the player saying, "I'm not right," but there's five minutes left, and I I can't let my team down. So there there is that. I think the other part of it that is is it bad and i hope we never have to talk about this is a, a team that needs to make a sub because a player maybe twists an ankle or he's just not fit or whatever and you're going to hear the coaches yelling you know like pete you got a concussion come on out you know just a guy that's that's fit you know coming out because he uh, you know quote unquote has a concussion uh, you know i really hope it doesn't get abused like that um by coaches that really want to to win at at any cost and because it then all of a sudden the rule is going to have to be looked at again. They're going to have to put all kinds of protocols in. Uh, it should be to protect the players. And if you think that this is – we, I, I personally do not, do not know of a player dying from a concussion on the field. We know that players have had their life shortened by concussions. That's been documented in England. Um, that players who have repeatedly had concussions, they've had their life 
shortened and, and, and you know, their post playing career has not been as fruitful as it could have been. We know right here in this country, Taylor Twellman, he didn't uh, have his life shortened by it, but his career was definitely shortened. He got a concussion of playing against the galaxy. I don't know if Kevin Hartman was the goalie, but he was coming in for a header and the goalie came out and punched the ball and punched Taylor Twellman in the face. And that was when he was MLS scoring leader. Right. Um, he was bothered by concussions the rest of his life. He tells stories about that in that very same game. He didn't know he had a concussion. He shot a, uh, took a shot on goal, missed the goal, widely missed the goal, wasn't even close, and he went into his goal celebration. And his teammates had to surround him and tell you, look, you missed the, the net by 30 feet. Uh, he didn't know. He thought the ball had gone in because uh, of where he was mentally with the concussion. So it's a very dangerous thing. Yeah, it, and it needs to be taken seriously. I mean, the the situation that we that we were alluding to is that technically speaking, with this rule, you can get nine subs per team. Now, a lot of things would have to go really wacky and sideways. Basically, each team would have to use two of their concussion subs, okay? And then if you use both of your concussion subs for concussions, that allows the other team to get an additional sub as well. And so if you do that twice, that takes it from seven total subs, the five plus the two concussion subs, to nine which would be the five subs the two concussion subs and two additional subs um that's a lot of stoppage time it, i mean yeah it would be you know you <laughs> you'd have to have four players two from each team collide with each other like you know and they all fall down and they're all suspected of i mean listen there's a whole bunch of things i don't think it's ever going to come that way first of all the concussion subs probably don't hit as hard now and you're not going to see as big of a deal with it um, whenever there's five subs, I mean, five subs really does allow a team so many subs to be able to do stuff, something to begin with. So the concussion subs shouldn't impact that all that much. Most of the time, I'm going to say that a concussion is covered by those five. Um, but the fact that you're not penalized or, or perceived to be penalized by a concussion, by a probable concussion that you want to err on the side of caution with that you want to bring somebody out. Um, this just allows that to happen. I think that, um, yes, you might have to worry about somebody abusing the rule. Yes, that might be something you have to look down, but those are all things that I think are, are, are something MLS, something that U.S. soccer, and I think that FIFA eventually is just going to be like, you know what, it is what it is. We'll deal with the, the consequences of that later. We have to be able to, to protect these guys from, from head injuries. If, if you don't, if you have a, you know, an epidemic of these concussions and from people's lives being, you know, uh, their their careers being cut short and sort of the stigma that that the NFL has right now, which is that they didn't protect their players. We know that there is a lot of money in those lawsuits. Don't don't be fooled. Yes, they want to do the right by the players. Yes, they're certainly going to build that up, Kevin. But at the same time, they also don't want to get sued for a billion dollars whenever the, the players all band together and say, you didn't do enough to protect us um, for this. So. I think it's the right. Well, I think it's a step in the right direction. I have zero issues with that. I like the rule. Well, and, and credit players like Taylor Twellman, who has done so much to bring, uh, you know, public notice and 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 concern to this issue, uh, which you know it, it it wasn't all that long ago. Probably in Taylor's time, when it was like rub a little dirt on it. You know, you're not hurt. You know, play through the injury. And now we know how dangerous it is. By the way, have you ever seen? Can you remember? watching a player try to play through a concussion. I've seen it twice. They were both in World Cup games. One was the Argentina-Germany final in Rio where a German player got a concussion midway through the first half 
And he was at one point basically walking circles in the middle of the field, not paying any attention to what was going on around him. He was in a World Cup final, and he thought he was at the beach. Uh, And there was another World Cup game also in Brazil. I think it was Uruguay was playing, uh, and a player was obviously concussed, came out, and they sent him back on the field, and he had no idea where he was. It's it's really uh, nauseating to watch. It's, It's so obvious the player is in distress and yet he's trying to – they've left them on the field in a World Cup game. It's really difficult to watch. Well, uh, again, that that rule will be in force for the 2021 season. So, one, it confirms five subs because people were asking that. Five subs this year, five normal subs, uh, the two concussion subs, and then look for those two additional subs as well that happen as a result of the other team using a concussion sub or two concussion subs. So uh, keep that in mind and look at that. That's why you're going to see all those subs, the possibility of those subs. So don't be uh, caught off guard whenever that happens. Let's go to – um, uh, should we explain just briefly the five subs? Why are we at five subs now when it used to be three? I, it's an it's another IFAB slash FIFA rule that they brought about because of COVID. Yeah, yeah, because of COVID, because of the condensed schedules that players were playing the the weekend, midweek, weekend, sort of back to back, and the continuous and no breaks. And listen, world football has been getting this way anyway, Kevin. Where the the sub the amount of people that you need to have on a team for any of these large clubs in Europe. Um, you need to have a lot of people on the team because you have to play so many lineups because there are so many uh, competitions that you have to play cup competitions, you know, regional competitions, um, championship comp, all that stuff is is stuff that you have to pay attention to. And it's been putting wear and tear on players legs. The five subs is sort of an answer to that. And they put it in place during COVID. And like I said, I don't think it's ever going away because people understand that the playing condensed schedules, even without the midweeks all the time and the LA galaxy will play 15 games on short rest this year, half their schedules on short rest. Um, you need those legs. You need those subs. So the five subs for me never goes away. Well, you know why it stays. It's because there is no one against it. The players and the players union love it. Why? Because it creates more jobs, expanded roster um, fans, Love it because it makes the game better. You know, the game is faster. The, the, the place, uh, guys aren't exhausted and just kind of going through the motions. It makes the game better. About the only people who might not like it might be the guys writing the checks for the, the salaries and the payrolls. But if any major team tried to say, oh, my God, this it, it's too expensive, yeah. fans aren't going to have that. The, the, the owners can't complain about about the payrolls now. And besides, if you don't, if you don't want to own Chelsea, you can sell it to somebody else. That someone's going to pay you big coin to take over. So there is nobody against it. So that's why I think you're absolutely right. It's not going to go away. Remember, there was a time when there were no subs at all. Yeah, that's that's I, that was before really my time. Whenever I started watching, and I don't I don't like that. I mean, I I that to me again, we see it. They're even instituting whenever you go into like extra time, Kevin. That you're allowed extra an extra sub because extra time got so boring because everybody was exhausted. They played 90 minutes. And so you want to see something you want to bring in be able to bring in a game changer. Somebody who could do something and change that extra but time. You period. know what? I'm going to argue with you there. Yeah. I don't, I, when you get to extra time, it, you, when you bring in a sub, I think it changes the game. Yes. I, I like the idea of these guys that have been out there it, now they're getting it out. It, it, like you watch a Stanley cup playoff game. Those things go three and four and five overtimes. And you just see guys laying it on the line and just giving every ounce of energy. I kind of like that because it does show which team really wants it more. I would hate to see a whole bunch of guys coming in out of the locker room and running on the field all fresh. 
Uh, yeah. You, you know, if your hockey analogy falls apart so quickly there, <laughs> whenever you realize they're on the ice for such a short period of time and how they even quicken in extra time, the times those guys are on yeah, the ice. Yeah, but it's cold. It's cold though. <laughs> it's cold though. That's, that's what we just need to make the grass colder. Um, that's what, that's what needs to happen. So, um, so that's what it is. Let's get to Kevin Cabral now. Um, the 21 year old Frenchman, uh, who is at Valenciennes. I've, I've been practicing. I don't know that's, that, that's, very that's good. actually how you say it, but it sounds good. So I'm going to go with uh, Valenciennes, the League 2 French side um, that is way up there on the on the northern side of France, like almost in, in Brussels, um, in Belgium, in that area. Um, so up there, we talked about Kevin Cabral. Uh, if you've been following along over the weekend, things had progressed. Uh, I was able to, to find a Galaxy source talking about how uh, saying this was almost a done deal, um, and that continues. It seems like... All the ducks are lined up in a row here, Kevin. Uh, L'Equipe is reporting out of France that the deal is done, that it is a five-year contract, that the total amount is near 5 million euros, which would put it in the $5.9 million range. That's on the transfer fee side of things. We don't know. Um, Tom Bogert from MLSsoccer.com put out that it is a little more than the 5 million that's been quoted to me. A little more isn't $900,000 more and closer to six. So we'll see where that number sort of finally lays out. But it's somewhere between that $5 million range and the $6 million range. Um, even if you just do standard. Siri, Siri was doing um, uh, currency conversions for me today whenever I was looking it up and trying to figure out sort of, sort of where it is. Well, there were some reports he's already here. Did you see him in the pool with all your other friends? I, I did not see him in the pool. I would imagine that um, there was a report coming out of France that said that he was already on a plane towards towards, uh, you know, I think they said Los Angeles or towards the United States would have been correct because I think right now they'd have him land in Arizona um, to be part of uh, part of the team there. And Arizona, we know, has a shorter quarantine time, even though, by the way, I will strongly argue the CDC and their international quarantine, whenever people are coming from international landing, is a much longer process, quote unquote, than than some of these other things. But maybe maybe it's, you know, sports teams and the testing they do. Maybe they're allowed a shorter interval. I'm not going to second guess it, but that's that's sort of what you're seeing. Um, we don't know if it's really a five-year deal, Kevin, or if it's like a three-year deal. Um, and it has two option years, right? We haven't sort of been keyed into that, although I imagine that we're probably going to learn that information here pretty shortly. Um, so with, with Kevin Cabral, uh, I was talking to somebody uh, close to the organization who said that uh, that Kevin Cabral is young. Uh, 21, 21 years old, which is important because we're going to talk about the U22 initiative again. Uh, he's 21 years old. Uh, this person says that he has a lot of talent, but obviously is still a work in progress. He's 21. He's still they still need to develop him, but is really excited about the talent that they think that they have with with Kevin Cabral. Um, apparently, a bunch of people were interested in Kevin Cabral. Um, so the, if that ends up being true and the LA Galaxy won out in that, that's that's an interesting thing. But the transfer fee, Kevin, anywhere between five and six million dollars is not a small amount. Well, he's 21. He he started at 28 games this year, as we mentioned earlier. That's a lifetime high for him. He would have started 29. He would have started this weekend, but he was held out of the lineup at the last second. That is correct. Um, and that's everyone is suggesting it's because he the deal was done. He wasn't on a plane yet necessarily, but they're not going to sign the deal and then let him go play and get injured. He scored seven goals this year at four assists. Those are also both lifetime highs. Uh, the team is in the middle of the table in the second division, meaning they're not going to go down, but they're not going to go up. Right. He's a guy at 21. Um, if, if the transfer fee is anywhere around five or $6 million, um, what I'm hearing is he's a, is a guy who is a good talent, who is raw, who is developing 
and a second division team, especially with the financial problems that that uh, they're having in French football, League One and League Two, with the, the broadcast rights and everything else with COVID, they're really, really facing a tough time there financially. That it made it much better deal for them to try to sell him, get the money while he was hot, and and use it somewhere else. And and people who are supporters of him in France are saying. This guy deserved to be paid what a top flight striker, you know, we're not talking about Premier League striker, but right. what a good striker he should get paid that he shouldn't be getting second division money. He should be getting top tier money and he'll get that in MLS. So the interesting part about this is, is certainly if you look in the past, if you said, oh, well, this guy's going to make a f- between five and six million dollars on a transfer fee. And let's say the the deal is three years plus two options and, and a possibility of extending it to five. You would say, well, this guy is a designated player, Kevin because you would know that the amount of money plus a salary plus everything else would drive the LA galaxy into basically making him a designated player. But, but there's an option now. Yeah, there is an option with that. And that's, and that's really why I think the LA galaxy went out and got this player. Um, And again, we're assuming that this is going to wrap up. I don't have anything that has told me it's done, but everything is pointing towards it's, it's done and should be, we should be finding out here uh, uh, eventually in the next couple of days that it's been a done deal and that he signed and that he's, you know, already here in the United United States, however that ends up working. Um, but what is now available to them is the U-22 initiative. And that U-22 initiative, we've talked about it before on the show. We've sort of broken it down. But basically, it allows for an unlimited transfer fee or an unlimited acquisition fee that does not hit the salary cap in any way. It's not restricted. So the LA Galaxy can play, pay $5 million. They can pay $6 million, Kevin. They could pay $20 million for him. It wouldn't matter, except that that's real money that they have to write a check for. Um, it just wouldn't matter the salary cap. The restrictions on that are that you have to be under 22, um, that you can't turn 22, I think, in the year that you are signed. Um, so that's not a problem um, with the 21-year-old. He will be uh, He will be 22. Um, I'm trying to remember. I think he just turned... Uh, Jill- July. Yeah. So yeah, I was going to say, yeah, July. You can't, Oh, you can't turn 23. That's what it is. It's the, the 23 thing, um, during that time. And that basically you can stay in that program until you're 25 and that you can't be paid more than the max budget number, which right now is $612,500. So his salary can't be more than $612,500. And then that salary only hits the cap at less than $200,000. So you can pay him $612,500, but you don't have to, uh, you only take a cap hit of less than 200. And I think it depends on the age, whether or not it's 200 or 150 or as it cascades down and all that stuff. And then, like I said, I think you graduate the program at 25. So the LA Galaxy would be able to keep him um, in this U22 initiative until the year that he turns 25. Uh, So that's why seeing the contract years is really sort of the interesting part of that, Kevin, which is uh, how does that fit in with him graduating, quote unquote, graduating or expiring from that system? Um, That'll be something that we're watching. And then obviously we're watching a transfer fee because this could be one of the larger transfer fees the LA Galaxy have have sort of ever paid. Um, And it's for a 21-year-old who's an up-and-comer, who's a winger. It does not mean that the LA Galaxy can't sign another DP either, Kevin. This keeps a designated player spot open. Um, And I know there was some confusion with people saying, oh, well, you know, if they keep the DP spot open, then they're going to, or they're going to be forced to keep the DP spot open with this signing. And that's not how it works. Now, if the galaxy wanted to go out and sign two more U 22 players, Kevin, then they would need to keep that designated player spot open. Um, and I think they could use it on a young DP, but they couldn't necessarily use it on somebody who's like over 23 or there's a whole bunch of restrictions that start to go into that with just signing one. 
with the U22 uh, the U22 initiative, which is what we're assuming with that one signing, the LA Galaxy are unrestricted at least from the rules that we've seen so far, unrestricted on using that for any designated player where they want. So, let's say if uh, miraculously all the court proceedings suddenly clear up and the LA Galaxy want to bring in Christian Pavone um and you know that happens, they can still bring in Christian Pavone and they would still be able to keep um you know Kevin Cabral in there as well. So, uh, a lot of interesting things that, that come because of the signing. Now, with Kevin Cabral, he uh, is he was born in Paris, but he's actually his family's from Cape Verde, um, and his brother Remy is also a football player. His twin he, brother, by the way, twin brother. Right, right now he's wearing number twenty six. Um, that's Efrain Alvarez's number, I believe. So maybe there's going to be a little uh, arm wrestling, or maybe Efrain gets to keep it. The new guy has to go find another number. But he is a winger, but he can also play forward. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a good finisher. Um, I wonder if we talked about this earlier and you shot it down, but if, if there are Chicharito problems this year, I wonder if he's a guy that could go in there, either play as a tandem striker or whether he becomes the target striker for a while. I mean, yes. I mean, I'm all for flexibility. And I think, you know, if Chicharito knock on wood gets injured, um, then, you know, you could see a whole bunch of different guys sort of play that position. There is flexibility. And I think Vanny and Dennis DeClosa have sort of been very, focused on allowing for some of that flexibility, right? We know that, you know, Grant Sarah is going to come in and he can play on the right or he can play on the left wing, right? And I think the same is sort of with Kevin Cabral, who mostly plays on the left wing. So you're talking about a start that in a perfect world, Kevin, the LA Galaxy probably would have signed Christian Pavone and they would have gone out to get Kevin Cabral and they would have been like, Cabral's going to come in in the second half and he's going to do a whole bunch of things or he's going to start, he's going to spot start, he's going to spit split time with Grant Sear. Uh, there's there's flexibility in, in doing all this. I think because of the situation they're in right now with not having a starting left winger, um, that he comes in and he he's the starter at that position too. So, um, you know, people are saying if you pay $6 million for a guy, then he better be starting. And I think the Galaxy understand this is a a work in progress. It's a guy with a tremendous amount of talent. Um, and I think they're sure of that. But the final product that he's going to be, Kevin, um, I think they're hoping that it's going to be very good because they're going to probably look to get their money back at some point whenever they sell this guy to another league uh, down the road, you know, in two, three, four years. But at the same time, uh, right now, they realize that they have some work to do with him to really turn him into what that, you know, a really top, top flight sort of player he can be. So it's a development project as much uh, as he will be a starter um, right off the bench, at least in my mind. I know people are disagreeing, saying he has to start if you're paying him that much money. And that's that's not his salary is only going to be six hundred, you know, less than six hundred and twelve thousand five hundred dollars. Um, and knowing that. Uh, that sort of puts it in a different realm for me. Yes, a lot of money on the bench, but the Galaxy are playing this, you know, sort of in the long term. Uh, this is a long term project more than a short term. Well, and you're right on the long term because look, the guy's 21. Let's say he's as good as people say he is. In three, four, five years, he's a guy, maybe less. He's a guy that needs to go to the Premier League or needs to go to a major league in Europe. So you sell him, you make a b- bunch of money. And then you've got Dunbar and some other players, young players. Efrain Alvarez will probably be gone by then, but some young players that that might at that point. Dunbar is only eighteen now, and three three years he's twenty one. You know he's still a prospect too. Yep. He steps in there. Um, one thing I find interesting is we have Grant Sear from from Monaco. He's in France. We have uh, now uh, Kevin Cabral from France. Or yeah, from France. Uh-huh. We have uh, Victor Vasquez. He's uh, from Spain. He was actually playing in Belgium, but he's Spanish. We have Williams. He was uh, Irish. 
a lot of players coming from Europe. This is not what we saw the last couple of years where every player they signed was from Latin America and many of them from Argentina. Right. And I, I did, I asked Fanny about that as well. You know, is this a new philosophy? Are you purposely doing this? Is this where you're comfortable? Is this where you have the comfort zone? And he said, no, um, he gave the answer that you would expect. He said, no, we're just looking for players that fit our style. He said, you know, I'll take them from wherever they come. Um, you know, each player is the best player that we think fits into our system, the one that we can afford. Um, but I, you know, I do think there is a message there, though, that it's not just this straight drumbeat of, of the Latin American players that Guillermo and Dennis were so f- familiar with, that that now there is a sort of a different style, a, a different approach, a different mentality and, and different experience level of some of these guys coming in. It, the the interesting part about that as well is we go back and the Galaxy have had you know some some French player connections right you had um, I think C- Alessandrini Alessandrini I think Siani was 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 part of that as well whenever you would go in and see some of these guys who have have sort of come in and uh, you know really been uh, guys who they thought would make an impact and then there's also the um, the Jovan Karofsky connection because uh, Elikip was was talking about Jovan Karofsky and how he you know fell in love with the player and sort of you know came over to France and sort of saw and that Karofsky has been working with you know sort of this this French talent agency that has has had links to all of the guys who the Galaxy have signed so it's not out of the realm in terms of you know the Galaxy didn't go real far outside the box they've done they've been in this position sort of looking at France and looking at, at players who maybe are a little undervalued or guys who they want um, through this before so. Um, it certainly seems that Jovan Karofsky has his fingerprints on this, that Dennis DeClosa certainly knows what's going on with this, and that Greg Vanny does as well. And somebody asked me the question, they're like, so is this a Jovan Karofsky signing then? And in the past, certainly with Guillermo Berescoloto, we were very sort of uh, segmented. Whenever Guillermo would sign somebody from Latin America, especially from Argentina or from you know a neighboring country, um, you know, in South America, we would sit there and go, go, oh, well, this is a GBS signing, you know, the whole deal. Um, and then whenever there would be a guy who got signed from somewhere else that had, you know, Dennis DeClosa had a connection. If it was in Mexico, you're like, oh, well, that's a DTK signing, you know, like all, all these different things. I get the feeling, and this is just my personal feeling, is that it seems there's more unity within the the, the decisions that are being made right now. And I don't just say this is a Jovan Karofsky signing. I think Jovan was part of the process. I think Dennis was part of the process. I think Greg Vanny was part of the process. Um, I don't think, I think a veto from any one of them could have killed any potential deal and that all of them needed to be on the same page in order to make these happen. Uh, the other takeaway perhaps we can get from this Kevin is that at between five and six million dollars it's a significant sum of money for AEG to lay down whenever you realize they're, they're going to pen you know uh, pay Chicharito another six to seven million dollars in salary this year as well it's we were wondering about AEG's financial position through this pandemic and where they're at and spending five to six million dollars on a 21 year old for a long-term project is not a small amount and I think if people were a little nervous, perhaps backs up the fact that AEG still has money to be able to be, uh, you know, spending that, that that's at least what I look at from here. Well, I, I, I do think they're in a bad financial situation. I mean, it, you know, around the world they're they run entertainment venues and, and they run concerts like Coachella and things like here that they haven't been able to do. Um, what I do think that they're doing though is saying, we're going to go spend, we're going to reach into uh, our savings and go out and spend it. It's not like they're, uh, the 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 books are balanced in in any way at this point. I think it is a. Th- I think you're right. Though. I think the point you're trying to make is this: there's a commitment there 
uh, and they're gonna they're gonna bite the bullet a little bit. You know, I think everyone's looking ahead. You you saw what Cincinnati did. Of course, they're moving into a new stadium, but everyone's looking ahead and saying we're we're kind of by the COVID thing now. You know, knock on wood, maybe we're through. Yeah. Fans are coming back. We're gonna get this great broadcast deal in a couple of years. The World Cup is coming. So it's a little, you know, I think we all do it in our personal finances, right? A little bit run up the credit cards and know that that bonus is coming. I think that maybe the Galaxy is doing that. They know three or four years down the road, if they can make it there, they'll be okay. Yeah, it's it certainly, I mean, they, they have to be projecting into the future uh, to say that. But at least with AEG isn't going to suddenly fold. It, you know, they're not, they no. wouldn't be out there spending this type of money if they were going to. And they're one of the richest owners in, uh, you know, Phil Anschutz and, and AEG is one of the richest owners in football. We know that. We've seen that list many times, you know, like in the 12th or the 8th or the 7th spot in all of world football, AEG has a considerable amount of money in the LA Galaxy. Are, are sort of lucky in that sense that they have an owner with such financial resources that even a complete gut punch to their finances this season still allow them to be able to prospect for, you know, a 21-year-old um, in Kevin Cabral and those types of things. So uh, the LA Galaxy have a game coming up on Wednesday, April 7th. That's against the Colorado Rapids. That's a 3 p.m. Pacific time kickoff. Uh, that game, LAGalaxy.com. Uh, head over to our Discord uh, if you're outside of that area. And um, usually there's guys who can tell you what's going on in there. So if you want to go to the Discord, uh, you can find that. And the links are usually um, in the show notes for these shows. So check that out. Uh, and then the other sort of thing that's happening this week that is uh, at least of, of note or of interest is one, the LA Galaxy will play on Saturday, April 10th to close out that Sun Cup in uh, in Tucson. But on Tuesday, so we're recording on Monday. So on Tuesday, April 6th, the LA Galaxy will hold some media availability and it looks like Victor Vasquez is going to be there um, as well. And that'll be a little later in the afternoon than normally we have that. So um, think around two o'clock instead of of around 12 noon, which is usually whenever it happens. So uh, expect to see some quotes from there. Perhaps we'll get some confirmations of guys actually on the ground. We know Victor Vasquez is on the ground because, Kevin, he's he's actually going to be... No, uh, that's Pete Vianas. Pete, Pete Vianas. Are you sure? Look, at, look come on. No, I, I don't know. I See, this is the problem with showing you any type of video on a podcast that is predominantly audio. Uh, the LA Galaxy released... Uh, a Victor Vasquez video, um, and uh, we we of course are are using that with uh, with the caveat that it came from the LA Galaxy, um, and they put it out. Victor Vasquez was training. I don't know if he was training with people. He was just by himself in that one video. It was a little slow motion, little turn, and uh, yeah, a little, little catch and catch and shoot. Um, that type of thing. So he was, uh, he was in that. So yeah, uh, Victor Vasquez is there and he will be, he's expected to have some media. Yeah, that was like the Zabruder film. There was like more questions than answers from that little <laughs> snippet. Did he, did he shoot the ball at the net? Was it a pass? Did he score? Did he, was, was the pass completed? All, what happened? All can be answered tomorrow, Kevin, whenever Victor Vasquez has his media availability. So I'm sure you'll use your one question that you get to ask him about that video. Um, you and know, then I'm going, I'm going to, uh, Give you the rest of my time. You're going to see. You've been watching. You. You've been watching way too much C-SPAN. Uh, way too much C-SPAN on that. So anyway, hopefully we'll bring you coverage of that of what Victor Vasquez has to say. Maybe some updates from Greg Vanny as well. So those are the things that are happening this week. LA Galaxy just have two more preseason games, then it's back to SoCal uh, to get ready for the Miami game. So everything is rapidly closing up here, and uh, and that's good because then there'll be games that actually count. And whenever games actually count, that is uh, that's more fun for all of us. And we'll, uh, hopefully that means that we'll actually see starting lineups as well. Well, and games with fans. 
too. Games with fans. Games with fans at Dignity Health Sports Park. There were fans in Tucson watching the game. You could hear them. Um, just a smattering. But I heard that the the Saturday game, that last game, is the one that is expected to have the most Galaxy fans. So keep an eye out for that. Um, if you're headed on over to Tucson, uh, have fun. Be safe. Uh, get out of that city as soon as you can. Can, can we agree that as much as we want fans back and as as, as important as that is, we do not want an Arlington, Texas situation I, I, just yet, do we? I just no, I, that was disgusting. I just keep complaining about the parking that eventually will come back. Whenever that <laughs> one, they're gonna like make me like pay for parking or something like that. And two, it'll be it'll be more difficult. I, it's never. I get there early enough and I leave. That's all a joke. Please come back. You will enjoy it in the stadium. Uh, they are they are keeping everybody uh, separated socially, and the the capacity of Dignity Health Sports Park is gonna be held right around. 25% until the CDC or the California health department, the California state or the County health departments shrinks that six foot protected zone. So galaxy are in the 25% zone instead of the 33% zone. And um, the same thing, the Dodgers can have close to 20,000. They're going to say at 14 to 15 because of that, they, you know, it's they're boxed in. You can't go any, that, that rule is currently superseding all of the capacity rules. So if you had a giant but, place, you could have more people, but you, but it's such a great thing. I mean, they're airing on the side of I'm sorry. I'd like. I, they're just I'd rather following. Have a, they're just following the rules. Stop giving people yeah. credit for it. There is a rule, and they're I'm not allowed. Be, and trying to be nice. No, there is a rule, and they're not allowed to not listen to that rule. That is the only reason. If they could get more people in there, I guarantee you, they would all get. They would all have more people in there. Um, which is why they're hoping eventually that rule gets shrunk down. I know you were trying to be nice. It doesn't work. That's not, not on this time. They don't get any credit for just following. They're like, well, we can't get any closer than six feet. And if we do, then that would, that would be a violation of it. They will get fined. So I'm just here. So I don't get fined. That's, that's what those teams are doing right now. Wear uh, a mask. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, anything else that, uh, you want to talk about? Can we be done? We can be sure. Done. There's a lot of things I want to talk about, but we should probably stop. Let's 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 stop for sure. All right. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11. And please head on over to corner or excuse me, latimes.com, latimes.com, where you can find all of Kevin's wonderful writing covering the LA Galaxy and all of the other uh, uh, teams around Southern California, the nation, all that stuff, latimes.com. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Cornerofthegalaxy.com is where you can find all of our articles, videos, recaps, all that fun stuff is up there, cornerofthegalaxy.com, including rumors. Make sure you check it out. All right, for Kevin the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Gesman. You've been listening. You've been watching Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.